And I think that's one of the fights that I have um, all the time, right? So being a, a, a pretty decent performer in the plumbing industry, they're like, oh, you're just ripping people off. There, there's absolutely no way. Like, I'm providing premium service. I'm providing solutions and replacement options and long-term solutions. I, I believe you're ripping them off. I really believe the guy that charges $289, $300 every cabling, cables it, leaves, and it waits for them to back up again, probably possibly flooded their house. Well, to keep on taking days off because our mainline sewers clogged. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you once again, and we're excited to bring Dylan Moya on our show today to talk about plumbing. Man, we are excited. This guy is a $3 million revenue producer in the trades, and he is going to be dropping some pearls of wisdom for all you plumbers out there. And if you're not a plumber and you're an HVAC tech or an electrician or outside of the trades, I'm sure he's going to be bringing some high quality content that you can translate into your own industry as well. So before we jump into the interview with our guest, we're going to do a little bit of our breakdown as we typically do. And we're going to be talking about uh, the concept of plumbing presentation and just whatever it is in terms of dealing with a client in the home. But before we do that, let's look to Brian for our quote. If I had my life to live over again, I'd be a plumber. Albert Einstein. I don't believe that. Hold on. Wait. Fa- fact checked. Yeah. No. no. Tell fake, him, Berto. Fake news. Fake yeah. news. Einstein wants to be a plumber. What's up? Really? Yeah. That was him. Okay. I bet he said that while looking at a clogged toilet or something like that. Uh, that's probably good. Yeah. He just dropped his like microscope lens down a toilet right, or something right, yeah. on a floor drain. And he's like, ah, oh, for crying out loud. If I could do it over, I'd be a plumber. Wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. I never knew that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know that I'd change anything if I could quote unquote live my life over again. I wouldn't mind being an astrophysicist and that'd be kind of cool. Um, not sure I have the brains for it, but it would be cool to at least say I did. Plumbing on the other hand can go the other way. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Um, yeah, Dylan is, uh, Dylan has, has made his bones in plumbing, um, and is now a plumbing presentation trainer. And by presentation trainer, I mean, um, teaching plumbers how to get bigger tickets. So I would assume if you go to a call for a toilet that's clogged, um, what I like to do on every call I went to is test the water. So if your faucet's dripping and you got a six-year-old faucet, I want to know what made it drip. I want to fix the drip, obviously, but I want to know how it got there at only six years old. Fix the glitch, as they say. Yeah, just fix the glitch. (laughs) So I want to test the water. How old is the is the home? What's the water pressure? Are you over 70 PSI, you know, pounds per square inch? Uh, is the pressure causing that the, the components to wear out faster? 
do you have hard water? Do you have acidic water? Do you have chlorine in the water? Um, and see if we can get to the bottom of what caused this thing to fail a little bit earlier than it should have. Or if nothing's failed at all, is there something we can do to protect everything from failing sooner than it should? So, Brian, what do you what do you say to the people that, that are hearing you say that? And they're like, that's not my job. That's not why they called me out. They called me out because the faucet was dripping. I went there. I fixed it. Faucet's no longer dripping. My job's done. That is a massive component of the trades that we're fortunate enough to be a part of, isn't it? I think so. That's probably like 70, 80% of people in a home services van. Not, not just people, but also clients too. I mean, I, I think to some degree clients are like, yeah, I called you out to do a job. That's the job I expect you to do. I did not run into that. And I don't know if it's the way that I presented myself. Um, but I, if I went to a home for any reason and didn't test the pressure and didn't test the water and didn't, you know, I, I liked to flush the water heater and pull the anode rod on every single call I went to for any reason. And if I didn't do those things, I, I kind of had myself convinced that I was a physician who saw someone for a broken finger and I never broke out the stethoscope and checked their heart rate or put the blood pressure cuff on or, you know, like I have one opportunity to have my, you know, the, the important functions of my body checked out. And it's when I'm at the doctor for whatever reason I'm there for. So I want to make sure I get fully checked out. Right. I felt the same way as a plumber being in someone's home. Like I'm not going to be here three days from now. So if there's anything that's on the verge of going or that could use some improvement or a tune up, or there's any exciting new uh, product that this homeowner probably doesn't know about. This is my one chance to bring it up to them and see if it's something they'd be interested in having or doing. Right. And if I didn't capitalize on that opportunity, I don't know. I just felt like I did, I did them a massive disservice. I mean, there were people who I'd say as, as part of this call, I like to test the water. I like to test the pressure. I'd like to just make sure everything's in good shape. And there were people who would say, Hey, I don't have time for all that. Can you just, you know, get the toilet running? I'm like, sure here, here's my card. Let me know when you want to have me back out. I'll do the rest of it. I feel like I owe you one. I think a lot of that comes, Brian, from a certain level of ignorance, right? So as tradespeople, you know, I, not that I'm counting myself as a technician, but as trades in the trades, we do this every day. Like you run a no heat call in the winter, like five times a day, maybe more. You run a uh, broken water heater three times a week whatever it is. And, and you just get in this rhythm. This is what you do. Like, and you know how to do a thousand different things in the house. That client has zero of that knowledge. In fact, they may not even know where their main shutoff valve is. They may not have a concept as to how their air conditioner or the heating system works. They may not even know what type of panel they have. Like there's a massive level of ignorance uh, in, in home ownership. You know, you just kind of expect that things work. Some people obviously more are more educated than others. But that level of ignorance, I think, goes to why there's a, a certain expectation, like, hey, come fix this problem, because the homeowner themselves are in tunnel vision. We talk a lot about how plumbers, electricians, HVAC techs get that tunnel vision, you know, walk in the house, look for the problem, don't look anywhere else, fix the problem, walk back out of the house. Not a good thing. But I think in, in some ways, the homeowners also have tunnel vision because they're only focusing on the thing that's broken right now right? The thing that is, is causing inconvenience or pain or dissatisfaction. And so the education process of being even able to tell the client, 
hey, there's more more services that I offer here that you're not taking advantage of, I think brings a level of an awareness to even what a plumber all is capable of doing. There's a certain level of ignorance that they may not even understand. Uh, oh, you guys do water treatment? Oh, that's weird. I thought like that was, you know, a, another company, right? There's a certain level of that ignorance that I don't think people understand what all we do. And so if we don't explain or offer or discuss possible solutions for problems that they may not even have considered us to be a consultant for, uh, everybody's underserved. I can't tell you how many times I was in a home and I'm like, I see you have a Connecticut, whatever, water treatment system, but oh, you've been using us for eight years. Or, or the skid of water of uh, water bottles, right? No, I <laughs> in, mean, in, in particular, the, the, you know, the, the one-year-old Connecticut system, and I can look through the history and right, see that right. they've been our client for eight years, and I go what made you decide not to use us for your water treatment needs? And they go, you guys do that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. This might be my first time out because they would definitely know we do that if, <laughs> if I'm there. But I'll, I'm like eight years, five different techs. You had no idea we did water treatment. Nope. Nobody ever mentioned it. Yeah. What made, what made you put this one in? Either uh, they sent me something and we tested the water and found out it's hard and we hated it anyway. Or we had one that was 15 years old and it finally died and your guys never brought it up. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. Like you go to the grocery store and you spent years and years running to the grocery store to buy, you know, your cereal, your eggs and your milk. And every time that you did that, you also went, um, to the others, the, the store, like, three blocks down the road to buy uh, bowls, right? And never once did you consider, wow, wait a minute, the grocery store also sells bowls. I, I could I could avoid this additional trip or this additional place. I really like going here. And, and if the grocery store doesn't publicize that they carry all these things or they stock all these products, like you may end up using multiple vendors, some of which you don't really care to use. And so as, as people in the trades, you know, we want to develop that long-term, long-standing relationship with people. And if they don't understand all that we do, they may be using other providers out of sheer ignorance and missing out on the future development of the relationship that we could have with them and taking that to the next level. But Brian, I want to push you out a little bit on the earlier question that I asked. What do you say to the plumbers that also have that mindset that I'm here to fix problem A, I've now fixed problem A, it's time for me to leave? Stop being lazy. <laughs> I fixed it. Kind I'm not of, lazy. I fixed it. Kind of mean that. Kind of. <laughs> Unless you're like a lot bigger than me, then I don't mean that at all. They'll be waiting up in the parking lot for me when I get out of here. Um, I'll see you in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't usually when I, there, there's that small percentage of um, plumber, HVAC, tech, electrician, whatever. You can find them often in the plumbing and HVAC and electrical Facebook groups that I'm a part of a lot of um, that are just like, oh, I don't tell the client anything. I'm there to replace a flapper. I replace the flapper and get out. Most most of the time it's just like, I mean, outside of working at a place like this where it's, where it's highly trained upon, they just don't think of it in the same terms that I do, which is like, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm at this – this family paid to have a plumber at the house, right? Of course, I want to fix the faucet that I'm there for. But how often does this family have a plumber at the house? 
Once every couple of years, maybe, maybe more, but that tends to be the average is probably about once a year a plumber, a plumber is in a home outside of like having a maintenance contract or something. I mean, I can tell you it's less at my house. Well, I mean, well, I know I work for a plumbing company, but I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm count. saying like the amount of plumbing concerns that have existed at my house yeah. would not add up to be more than once a year. Yeah. It's probably real close to the once a year mark. Um, so are you as a plumber assuming that they'll be fine in all of their plumbing system for the next 11 months on average without the plumber who happens to be in their kitchen right here and right now and has plenty of time to do a half an hour walkthrough uh, system check? Are you making the assumption that the system's good enough to just wait until the next visit? Are you okay with rolling the dice on them having a real issue they don't know about yet that's probably going to ruin their hardwood floors or something? Um, also, are you are you comfortable enough to think that they know that a tankless water heater exists and how it works and that they could actually get one at an affordable rate um, where this family of five doesn't have to Wait 45 minutes. Yeah, poor Mr. Fifth Shower. Poor Mr. Third Shower. <laughs> it's true. It's a 50-gallon electric water here or whatever, a you know 40-gallon, 50-gallon natural gas or propane or whatever water heater. If, And that's what we had when we moved into our home before we got our tankless water heater. If, my, if two of my kids took a shower in the morning before me, I was not getting a hot shower or I was waiting half hour, 45 minutes for it to heat back up. This was, this was a major problem. Um, I had to go to work, you know, um, my wife had to go take one of the kids to school or whatever, whatever we had to do, we needed to get a shower. So you either, you either need to have an extra half hour at least for it to heat back up or you had to get in the shower first, causing someone else not to be able to get a hot shower. When And then on top of that, you know, the, the water heater is sitting in a 70-degree basement or garage or what have you, and it's set at 120, and it's cooling down all night long and then heating itself back up for no reason whatsoever. You're just pouring all that energy out into the atmosphere. And regardless of how you feel about the earth or the climate or any of that stuff who loves waste like who likes to just waste things for no reason and you got either this gas we choose to waste no day here yeah (laughs) as as it turns out (laughs) you got this either gas powered uh water here turning on a big flame and heating that water up all night every night for no reason whatsoever or you have a couple uh, electric elements in a water heater turning on and dumping a bunch of electricity out for no reason whatsoever, reheating this water all night that you're not using. Um, I don't know. And then you get into the water treatment side, and then you get into, like, checking drains and sewer lines and um, checking all their emergency shut shutoff valves. And to me, it's like our, our clients don't really know about this stuff. They understand that, a, that a, they call it on-demand water heater exists. They don't know anything about it. They don't really understand that their water heater is cooling down and then heating back up for 10 hours a night, despite the fact that nobody is using hot water. They don't know this stuff and they need to. They don't really realize that they don't have to wait to get a hot shower. They can have a tankless. Um, And the fact that we can have a plumber go out to somebody's house 
to unclog their garbage disposal and never bring all these things up is a travesty to me. It's, it's really not cool. I would, I would like the, the doctor's visit to be an industry standard for plumbing, HVAC, and electrical. Yeah, it's a good point, Brian. And I, I'm I, speaking of waste, I don't think my kids care about waste based upon the amount of uh, lights left on, doors hanging wide open, et cetera, that are, is at my house. Uh, but I think the average homeowner is absolutely against waste. And I, I'm with you on that. <clears throat> it, it's it's like our, our friend Gene Slade says, are you doing something for me or are you doing something to me, right? And the moment that we don't bring up options that could make life better is, is the moment that we're doing something to that client. We're preventing them from making educated decisions. It's not a, a forced thing. It's not a required thing. It's simply presenting options that they may not even be aware of. And I tell you what, this is one case where ignorance is not bliss, right? If I'm living in a level of pain or if I'm dealing with a level of inconvenience that could be solved by the presentation or adaptation of a product or service in my home, isn't it fair to assume I would at least want to know about it? I don't think that's too much out of the realm of possibility for most homeowners. And that's something that is a main focus when we talk about presentation training. That and more is what we're going to be talking about with our guest today. Dylan Moya is who we are going to be putting in your passenger seat. So let's welcome him to the show now. Welcome to the show, Dylan Moya. Great to talk to you, Dylan. I appreciate you coming on. Um, it's good to good to talk to you again. Uh, last time we talked, you were in, actually, you weren't far from here, right? Where were you in Jersey? Yeah, I was in West West Denport, New Jersey. Okay. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yeah, with a Zoom Dream. Oh, at Zoom. That's, uh, was it? Ellen Rohrer founded that one. Yes, sir. Yeah, she's uh, she's she's creating uh, a new franchise. I think they're one of the one of the first franchises that she acquired in the South Jersey area. So we uh, went out and helped them train a little bit. Kind of uh, a lot of new guys fresh into the industry, older management, but just trying to fit, teach them the the service side, how to present options, questions, what to say, what not to say. Um, and how to present, really, how to, realizing that it's not, a, like we talked about earlier about plumbing, is not so much about plumbing anymore. It's a lot about customer base. So yeah, just opening buddy. their eyes to that. You get me all excited. <laughs> <laughs> Something we don't talk about enough on this podcast is selling and plumbing together, you know? It's so much about HVAC yeah. these days. Yeah, and, and that's what we're missing, right? We're missing, that's what I'm, that's what my goal is, obviously, 2022 and, and beyond is, to really start closing this gap, HVAC has tons of them. There's there's great gurus, coaches, stuff like that, and speaking about it. But uh, there's not very many plumbing specific trainers or people really talking about it. That's so, for sure. And I want to yeah. get into uh, certainly what you did to uh, do three million dollars in plumbing sales last year, uh, which is phenomenal, just amazing numbers. Um, also, I want to. But before we get, and then obviously what you train and what your presentation looked like personally. But um, first, let's talk about where where did you come from? Um, where are you from? How'd you get into the trade? What did your school life look like? What made you choose plumbing? Yeah, so I I chose was it uh, I chose plumbing as a second 
second uh, choice, right? Not many people are signing up on the list for plumbing to deal with uh, people's waste, uh, going in crawl spaces, getting the attics. I had a kid young, I had a kid at 17, really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, barely graduated high school. Um, I think my daughter was six months on the day I graduated high school. So I really had to grow up pretty fast, uh, trying to figure out that. I was a bus boy uh, at a restaurant. Um, so I, I grew up in the LA area. I grew up in Torrance, California. Um, so the LA kind of South Bay area is where I started. Then uh, my brothers were plumbers. My brothers were already plumbing. My brothers are 11, 12 years older than me. Um, one of my oldest brothers kind of had a similar story. And he became a, uh, he was a plumbing helper, shop guy, became a, a technician. And when that, when ARS and Rush Gruder was kind of big in our area, then he kind of, we called, uh, actually realistically, I was, my wife was the one that pushed me to do it. We had, we have a lot of family that were plumbers by the time I was coming out and trying to figure it out. And I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be a sheriff, want to be a police officer. Um, but that time was hard. It was during 2009, right out of the recession or when the recession hit. So I called every union plumbing company. I thought that's the way to go. I was trying to go union. Um, but nobody was hiring. They were laughing at me. Like, we're not hiring. We just laid off like a hundred people. There's no way we're going to pick up an apprentice. Then my cousin got a job at a company, a local company called Mike Diamond. Um, kind of big in the area. They were, they were doing an apprentice program through there. So I got pushed over there, got hired. Um, through that, that's when I kind of really figured out that I was going to be different in the industry because my thought processes were, di- were different. Already coming into it, like one being young, I was 18, 19 years old, asking questions that, that the harder questions. What are we really doing here? Why are we doing it? Like, what is it? And realistically, I was doing it. I was talking a lot because I was not technically the best plumber. Um, nor did I want to be the technically the best plumber. My brothers were already selling techs. My brothers were already a uh, plumbing salesman. So I knew going into it that I had to learn plumbing, learn drains, and I learned it fast. And there was a different horizon uh, for me. Um, and that was always the goal to be uh, a plumbing tech, plumbing salesman. So I kind of got the fast track through there. Um, then, I, then I went to another company, kind of, jumped around a little bit, just like most young guys do. And then really started finding my niche, getting a couple years in, um, then started becoming selling tech. Then uh, moved all around California. I went from uh, the South Bay to Orange County. And then I just left San Diego like six months ago. I've been been with pretty much the same company throughout it, kind of uh, different locations. And then now I'm in Dallas, Texas, or Prosper, Texas, right outside of Dallas. Um, kind of started doing this consulting thing and uh, business training. So, what quick got, timeline. What moves you to Dallas? Um, I had four young kids. Cost, I was making great money in, in L.A., but it just still wasn't enough. Like, still wasn't enough. Still was there. I was looking for a, a lot slower pace. Um for my family. The state wasn't open. COVID is still pretty strict there. Sure. And, um, we came out to Dallas. Like, uh, my daughter, my daughter plays softball. So we came out to like Texas a ton and COVID was gone. Like 
And uh, and it's really affects myself, my wife, and my four kids. Like I have a 12, 9, 7, and 4. So that's two years out of their lives gone. They couldn't go to school. They were barely rolling into school, stuff like that. Um, and we came to Texas, and it's just been a different different life, different lifestyle. Um, and we love it so far. Yeah. It's, it's a quite a contrast from L.A. Yeah, slower pace. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Taught in school. Right. Uh, my boys are told that they have to open the, the door for women or any anybody. Right. Hold the door open. Um, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Is required. Like, just a different kind of life. Different thought process on the way of life growing up here in the Midwest. But I, we love it so far. So you said you worked for Mike Diamond Plumbing first? Yes. And Mike Diamond, as far as I know, like created the... Um, what was it? The diamond plan? Uh, well, so Mike diamond was one of the first uh, players. I didn't realize it until listening to a, to a podcast the other day of Terry Nicholson, but Mike diamond, uh, ran, uh, the first PSI program that was created by Jim Abrams. So like, it was a very systematic program that we were taught coming out. Yeah. Like, that was, a, me up for- that's a heck of a place to cut your teeth. Uh, <clears throat> I was in Vegas for several years and, I knew of Mike Diamond plumbing very well, but I, but he created like the diamond club membership or something, which was one of the first industry, uh, club memberships, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did like, yeah, I forgot the name of it, but we were selling service agreements, doing home house inspection, presenting three options, uh, requiring perfection, right. On every single call being, uh, being okay that we are the most expensive people in the area by far. Right. Because our service was out was extraordinary. Um, our uniforms were clean. We had white shirts, difficult to clean, but even our shirts had to be prime. Like those things, as plumbers, you know, it's very hard, right? Calling underneath houses, stuff like that, uh, going underneath sinks. But he re- they required perfection, and they wanted us to be the best image of a plumber that anybody could ask for, right? So um, that was the standard, and I think it's definitely learning that in the beginning set me up for success throughout my entire career. Because not a lot of people have that like high standard going in. Even some of these smaller plumbing companies um, that we go to, they just don't have that high standard. And we see it all over HVAC, but in plumbing, it's just not, it's not there yet. Yeah, even even uh, it seems like companies that used to have that standard have kind of let it go somewhat. And it's, uh, you know, as someone who, who manages a electrical plumbing and HVAC company, it's easy to take your foot off of the gas in that area when you're focused on so many air other areas. And then next thing you know, everybody has filthy shirts and looks like ZZ top. It's uh, yeah. it's not great for the image of the company, the, the professional technician or, or the industry for that matter. Absolutely. And, and the presentation starts from when we park the car, like you pull up, you park, you jump out, you're ready to go. You're clean cut. You're tucked in. Just setting yourself apart from my step one, right? Just mentally, appearance-wise, you're you're shaved, your haircut's ready, um, you don't look like a slob, like your van's clean, your dashboard is has no trash on it. Like this being the epitome of the standard, being above the standard, because everybody else is, is is lax, right? Everybody else is smoking cigarettes, uh, has stuff on top front of their dash. You see it all fly out. Like I. The, the thought process and the way they taught us through it was just just be better than everybody else, right? 
We charge more. We ask for more. We ask for more from you guys. We ask for more from our customers. Um, we have to. We have to fill that gap. And it starts from our appearance. But we pay more. Yes, you, you pay more, and, that, and that's what comes. If you want to get paid more, you look better, right? Be somebody. Be somebody different. Yeah, if you want to be in among the top ten percent of people paid in your industry, you got you're required to be that much better than most people in the industry, and that. That obviously starts with where you park and not getting out of the truck and having your soda cans fall all over the street. And now you're picking them up while they're looking out the window, <clears throat> coming up of with a filthy I'm... shirt on and stains all over and a uh, big beard and a nose ring and uh, gauged ears. And uh, yeah, and even when it comes down to the jacket, like not having a un, like a rock band hoodie on, like having a, your company logo jacket on, right? I know it's cold and. <laughs> in New Jersey, it was freezing. I was dying. My bones were cold. But I know you guys get cold and there's stuff like that. But just having the proper tire for every situation and, again, looking professional there. Just being above. I'm sure you, with running that company, the premium guys look different from the, the bottom guys, right? The guys, the top 10%, the top 1% that are that are on the top every day, they, they look different. They act different and they speak different from the guys that are just kind of showing up to work every day, hoping that they, uh, they make some money that day. A hundred percent. The, the appearance is different. The look is different. Their, um, their communication is completely different. You've got the top 10% guys know nearly every word they're going to say in that home. And the bottom 10%, as we say, is just whatever vomits out of their mouth when they walk up. They're winging it. They're winging it. And it's great. Like, I guess everybody has to learn, but if you really want to be better, especially in organizations, you really want to climb the ladder. It starts from, from you. I talk, talk about a lot. It starts from your attitude and you got to want to be there. You got to want it, right? We can't, we can't want it for you. The management team can't want, doesn't have to want it or shouldn't want it more than you can, right? Like commission plumbing and, and performance based pay and all that stuff. Like that is purely your effort. It starts every day is your report card. I, if you don't make any money that day, I'm usually negative 20 bucks because I go out to lunch every day. Not my pace before, but I, I never bring a lunch, right? So I'm negative money every day if I don't show up ready to go, right? Like every Friday, every day is, is your performance base. That, that's your grade. If you didn't do well and you're mad at your bank account and you're mad at yourself because you're broke, you don't have money, it's purely looking back at yourself, understanding that what, what effort did you put in, how high of a standard did you create for yourself? There is a, a drastic difference between um, some techs who just – and you just know every day – that tech is motivated, inspired, looking to do anything he can to, one, make as much as possible, or why leave the family at all, to serve his clients at the highest level, um, to, to really leave a lasting impression on that person that I am your plumber for life, and three, to leave a lasting impression on the people that they work with, their team teammates, their team leader, their managers, the call center representatives um, versus some people who just oddly don't have that. And I, the one part of that I could never really understand was you have the opportunity to be on performance pay, right? So when I took a job at, at a company in Las Vegas, um, I, I went and interviewed at three places. And I remember the first place offered me more money than I'd ever seen hourly in Detroit where I came from, but I still had two other, you know, this was like 2004, there were no uh, smartphones. So I had a map book 
where I just wrote these three addresses down when I moved there and then uh, wrote in a notebook to like turn left at this light and turn right at this street. <laughs> and I, I almost just jumped on the first company and said, you know, I, I wrote out these three. So let me just go to all three companies, went to the second one. And I'm pretty sure it was like three more dollars an hour than I was offered at the first one, which was way more than I'd ever seen in Detroit. So I'm like, man, and I really like the guy too. I'm like, I should just take it, you know, I should just take it right now. But I'm like, man, if I go home and I tell my wife that I accepted this position without seeing the third one, she's going to make me go back anyway. So <laughs> I really like the For guy I talked to. I don't remember the company. I don't remember who the guy was, but he was like salt of the earth. Just seemed like a really good, humble, honest, you know, a plumber's plumber like I was at the time. Um, and I said, you know, I, I want to come here, but I have to go check out this other one. And that was, yes, plumbing in Las Vegas that I had to go check out. And that manager or whatever he was said, hey, have fun. They're just going to teach you how to rip off old ladies. I said, that's what they do. He said, that's all they do. And I said, how do they even market to get all old ladies as clients? That's amazing. <laughs> First off, by itself. <laughs> I said, uh, wow. So, but he said, you know, whatever, you're, you're a perceptive guy. You, I think you'll figure that out pretty quickly. And I said, well, I, I will probably be right back, but I definitely want to, uh, you know, fulfill my list here and what I told my wife I was doing. So, um, I spent every dollar we had to move to Las Vegas. We got pregnant in Detroit and didn't want to raise our child there. My in-laws lived in Las Vegas and my father-in-law used to just go see plumbing trucks at gas stations and he would just like knock on their window, you know, Hey, how much did you make last year? <laughs> this is, this is the guy he, he is. So he'd knock on the window, ask him how much they made. And then he'd call my wife, his daughter and say, Hey, plumbers make, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 a year here. Well, my last year in Detroit, I made 32. So I'm like, we could double our income. It's cost of living's a little bit yeah. higher, but not that much higher. So we moved out there, spent everything. It's like a 35 hour drive. So, you know, with a pregnant wife, that's a three day drive, you know, with two hotel mm -hmm. stays and food the whole time and gas. And we got there broke to the point where I had to borrow gas money from my father-in-law to drive around and see these three companies. So I said, I have to fulfill, you know, my, my list here and check out the third one. Well, the third one was Yes Plumbing and Lance Fernandez, um, who ended up, he was their GM, ended up being one of my mentors. <clears throat> open, uh, he came and saw me in the front lobby and he offered me, I want to say it was $5 less an hour <laughs> than, the, than the last company. And I'm like, Okay. Well, I'm out. So <laughs> it was good to meet you. And I don't remember exactly how it went, but I, I know I was kind of walking out the door and you say, Hey, before you go, I said, what's up? And I turned around, it had some kind of weird, um, commissionable unit hours or something like that, that they paid. And he said, uh, something along the lines of give me, give me 20 minutes to talk about what we do here. And one of two things will happen. You'll either come and work for me for this much less per hour, or I'll send you on your way and buy you lunch. And I'm like, 
man, I could go for a good lunch, you know, I don't have any cash. <laughs> heading, heading back funds, to the in-laws. Funds are running low. Oh, yeah, yeah, funds are pretty dry. We're, we're, we're staying in, at the in-laws uh, until we can afford a place. I'm like, you know, and I hate, like, eating their food when I can't really contribute yet. Um, so I'm like, cool. And I don't know, probably, like, eight minutes later, I'm signing up to come work for him because it really wasn't an hourly at all, but it was like – uh, he's selling me on being a professional selling technician. And, you know, I'm third generation plumber, like uncles and, uh, you know, their, their, uh, dads and stuff like that were plumbers. And so I don't want to hear about being a salesman. I'm a plumber, but within a matter of a few minutes, he, he completely walked me through that and explained the difference to me between a tech and a selling tech and then a selling tech and a professional selling tech. And the difference between somebody uh, giving a daytime talk show TV commercial about their product and a Super Bowl level commercial about their product and how that difference and not, you know, ripping off old ladies is how you can make, I could make all the money I wanted to make for my family um, without having to work 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week, uh, or rip off old ladies. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the fights that I have um, all the time, right? So being a, a pretty decent performer in the plumbing industry, they're like, oh, you're just ripping people off. Like, um, and it's not, um, there, there's absolutely no way. Like, I'm providing premium service. I'm providing solutions and replacement options and long-term solutions. You're, I, I believe you're ripping them off. I really believe the guy that charges $289, $300 every cabling, cables it, leaves, and it waits for them to back up again, probably possibly flooding their house or not replacing their water heater or just doing a thermal couple. Time is money nowadays, right? Who wants to keep on having a, a water heater issue? Who wants to keep on taking days off because their mainline sewer is clogged? Like, let's make sure we, even if they don't choose, at least we're going to provide a service, give them all their upfront options, and let them pick what they want to do. They're going to live in this house for seven years, two years, one year, or the rest of their lives. Like, especially they're going to live there for 30 plus years. They just bought it. They want to take out a 30 year loan. They're not planning to move. Like let's fix it once and for all. Let's be proactive versus reactive on this. Make sure we're done. And if anything happens, I'm providing warranty solutions. I'll come out of no charge the next 10 years and clear that mainline. If it was a stoppage and it was my fault, right? If it was an installation failure or something that I did, I own it. Right. I love that you said that. I love that you said proactive versus reactive there as we as a team here are working through the seven habits of highly effective people. And that's, that's a great thing to say to a, to a homeowner, which is, especially when you're talking about a sewer line, your sewer line, (laughs) the thing that that carries the worst thing that happens in this home, it takes it out and dumps it out under the street and takes it out to the city to get clean or you cannot take care of this and risk in another couple of months having that stuff back in the, on the floor in the bathroom coming up in your bathtub where you bathe your kids You're talking about the sewer yeah. line and you want to be reactive. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, my explanation is that we've already been reactive. I'm already here while it's clogged, right? Yeah. We already had a reactive state about this. And you, and you tell me, obviously we're asking a question. You've had this multiple times. The plumber just comes out and cables it. He doesn't camera it, right? And he thinks I'm a ripoff because I camera and I take a look at it and I give you solutions. I don't I don't understand, right? Like 
it's 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 an ongoing fight, and I think the aspect of it is just that there's a lot of people doing it wrong, and they think it's okay, right? And that's just how they were taught for the last thirty years. But yeah, and the, we're hopefully bringing the the the, <clears throat> the biggest wrong, in my opinion, is a, as a consumer. And I've used this analogy before where let's say I dropped my phone and I got a crack across the screen and I go into the Apple store and I set it on the counter and someone comes up to the counter and looks at it and says, we'll replace this screen for you in an hour. It'll be 150 bucks. And I say, yeah, let me think about it for a sec. And I go walking around outside. I come back in. Uh, that person was nowhere to be found. So I find someone else and I set it on the counter and the next person looks at it and says, I need a new phone. Here are the options mm-hmm. we have for new phones. And I say, man, time out. <clears throat> Somebody did me a disservice here. And, and obviously, I mean, the obvious answer is the replace the phone person did me a disservice. But in reality, <clears throat> for me at least as a consumer, both of those people did me a disservice. Because if they took the time to look that I'm, I'm holding an iPhone 11, that's 16 months old and I work off of my phone. I'm on my phone about 80% of the time I'm working, uh, dealing with technicians. And they say, you know, another four or five months, you know, with the updates, this thing's going to start slowing way down. The battery's going to start wearing out really fast. You, you, I have no idea what bells and gadgets and whistles I'm missing as a result of having an 11 when they, when they're about to release the 14, you know? A, a truly professional salesperson would have said, yes, we can replace that screen for you. Going to be 150 bucks, probably take us about an hour. Or since that phone is that old anyway, and you told me you work off of it for a living, we could take that $150 that you're going to spend anyway on a phone that you're going to be replacing soon anyway, and we can put it into this mid-level, mid-grade iPhone 13. Or... Yeah. Or we could put it into this 14 Pro whatever with all the bells and whistles that can make you fly or whatever they do. And then really have that Super Bowl level commercial for that 14. I'm the type of person who would probably go with uh, the newest one with all the cool features and technology. Um, Maybe you're not. Maybe you would go with the mid-grade. Maybe you're someone who right now can only afford the screen fix. But at least you know you got all your options that you could do either one of these three things. Um, for Absolutely. me, if you're truly a professional, you as as a, a professional technician, salesperson, whatever, let me as a consumer know I have multiple options. Here is what comes with each, each option. And then back up and say, which one do you like? And if it's, if it's none of them, then, hey, thank you. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. If you change your mind, give me a call. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, the next day you follow up. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here for you at any time. We're, I'm just here to make, to help you. That's how I talk when I provide option prizes. And that's how I teach it. Like any option, be happy that they pick. But it's not your choice. It's, your, it's not your money. It's not your investment. I don't care if it's $5 or 500000 let them process it, let them decide, right? So that's why, again, when we talk to the analogies, right? It's just, there's Chevy Tahoe's, there's GMC Yukon's, and then there's the Cadillac Escalade. They're the same body, right? They look almost exactly the same. 
But the Escalade has a little thing that's Escalade logo, and it's, it's a superior. They feel the superior product. There's little changes, right? But you can get the you can fit the same amount of people in the Tahoe that you can in the Escalade, right? And they have the the two the premium, they have the mid range, and they have the economy, right? Options. Just let people pick what they want, and just be happy with what they pick. Because again, it's not your money. You don't know what financial state they are. You don't know what they're doing with the house. And it's not your house. It's not your large investment. That's generally the houses are generally the largest investment they're ever going to own. So let them delegate and work through the thought processes of what they want to do with it. Yeah. So let's <clears throat> let's dive into maybe not. Um, I don't know about you. I'm I'm going to go ahead and make an assumption here because I know what I did a lot of uh, in my plumbing truck was running a lot of plumbing maintenance calls. I'm guessing that's the same for you. No, I did a lot of sewers. I was, I listened to your, uh, n- riches to niches. Oh, Paul, very, Paul Francis. Yeah. I listened to him. I was a sewer guy. Um, I was a sewer guy and I love sewers. I find them so easy. They call you for an escalated problem. Um, it's our, the problem's already there, right? The urgency is already there. You just gotta help them guide through it. Right. Okay. So that's, that, that's too. That's even better for what I wanted to talk about because I know you, I saw you had day <clears throat> made a post that you sold a lot of water treatment and on a maintenance call to me, water treatment is super easy, right? Cause there's no transition. You're there for the whole home. So you're checking everything anyway. How do you as a drain tech transition to allow me to test your water? Um, so I did it in the sense of like, so I did run a lot of plumbing as well. I did both, right? So when I sold a lot, it was just relevant. Um, when I would go to a pinhole leak, if I did a water heater flush, I would be in the house building value. So I'd pull the aerator, I'd get a white rag or get a paper towel. I'd pull all the aerators, take them out, turn them out, knock them on there, knock them on the uh, paper towel or the rag, right? And I'd go to every single aerator. And I would show them all the calcium deposits, show them all the buildup that's in their water, right? And then I use a third-party app, um, show them the buildup and all that stuff. And I use a third-party app, I think it's EWG.org. Um, don't quote me on that one, but I know it's out there. It'll tell you everything that's in your tap water, right? So I was just in Longview, Texas a couple weeks ago, and we found obviously there's chloramine, chloramine, the basics. But there was like chloroform and arsenogens, like, Toxic levels like 110 times, or I think the one was like 1,400 times the recommended rate. Right? It was just simple. It was really, it was something I could pull up on the phone. Right? So, not only was there chlorine, chloramine, acid, and all this stuff in the water, it's easy while you're piping. Yeah, let's be proactive for You've been living like this forever, but this is what's eating away your copper piping. This is what's causing damages. Let's, if you don't do a full entire repipe, at least let's put some safety nets on it to prolong it for a little bit. So that uh, EWG, that was the Environmental Working Group. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tap, and I think they, you can put your zip code in and click on the water um, water quality. I think they'll put your zip code in. You can put the municipal water place that you get your water from or you pay your bill to, or they pay, the customer pays their bill to. And it'll, it'll show you the 9, 10, 15 concern areas in the water, right? Very rarely have I ever seen that there's none. There's been like, limited five but they've seen up like in la county i see like up to 27 things that they're putting in the water right like and it tells you it just lays it out for you this is the percent higher than the average rate 
this is this is ten times, fifteen times, thirteen times. Like in Mrs. Jones again, Mr. And Mrs. Jones. If you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. But at least I'm educating you through the process. Okay, so I uh, I just went on the website, <laughs> T- punched, <laughs> punched in the zip code where I'm sitting now. Contaminants yep. detected eleven. Eleven contaminants exceed health guidelines. Total contaminants Correct. are twenty three. That's um, so that means twelve of those are are not over guidelines. But I mean, how many contaminants are enough? Yeah, yeah, right. As long as, if it's just chloroform in your water, that's fine, right? Just showering chloroform. Oh, I lo- I love this EWG thing. I have not used this before, so it's the e ewg dot org, and you Correct. click through maybe two screens, and then you can just type in a zip code, and it it fills out. What would this be like? The latest report by the EPA or something like that? Yeah, I think yeah, I believe so. It's an updated thing where they they test the water, obviously. And it's a third party, right? Don't believe me, believe the website, right? I'm sure in Vegas, the water's horrible. Oh, right? yeah. You can smell rough. it when, when, you're in, when you're in the hotels. You can smell it, the chloramine and the chloramine coming out of the showers. Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> it was an easy place to uh, move a carbon filtration system, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's just, it's just being productive on this, right? Clean water, calcium deposits, calcium, magnesium deposits, and all that in hard water heats away copper, right? It eats away, it damages it, causes hard water. Um, let's let's put a descaling device. Let's put a whole house carbon filtration. Um, not only is it going to help your body and your skin, it's going to help your plumbing system. It's going to help your fixtures. Uh, it's going to help your water heater that I'm replacing, right? Especially tankless water. If you read the fine print of tankless water heaters, they require descaling systems or whole house water filtration. So we're, we're doing it justice, so we're not offering it. And that goes for HVAC companies too. You're, you're um, at yeah. least in like high efficiency boilers and stuff like that. You're you're required to have uh, softeners over a certain grains per gallon hardness. Um, some of them require um, uh, some type of descaling as well as uh, some type of chemical removal systems. Uh, but you should really never have a tankless water heater, especially unless you have tested that water before you put it on. Of course. But Start failing, right? why would you ever be in a person's home and not test their water as a plumber? Is there any reason? Absolutely not. It's, it's such an easy, so you only do it because it's easier not to. It's it. not even easier not to. You're just, you're just trying not to follow a process. You're winging, you're winging the call. Yeah. And that's, kind of a rip off kind of ripping that customer off right so you how, how did you how did you uh and i know uh, as as a newer technician um either new to the trade or new to doing this kind of thing where you're really serving the customer at this level how would you or did you get the client to the point where they're ready to let you test their water were you a I'm going to test the water. Would you mind joining me person? Or did you have a certain way you asked them to allow you to do it? No. I'm, so when I was doing it, I would, I would do it a lot of just being casual about it. I'm very casual, very like, you know, Mr. Jones, we're doing here. Let me just run this little test real quick. I just put it on the counter, right? Curiosity is key. They have to be, they have to want to be told. They have to, like, I'm not here to force anything down anybody's throat. I'm not here to tell you something you don't need. Like, 
I'm going to put the test. I'm going to take a look at it. I'm going to filter results. And obviously, they're going to ask questions. So I'm going to stay right in their kitchen. I'm going to right in their bathroom with them, right? Obviously, during the diagnosing process. I used to bring the kid in with me, fill it up while uh, while they're talking about their their whatever plumbing issue that we're having. Or in the process, I'll take the hot water or something um, from the water heater, put it in there, do the do the test and I'd sit on the right? Or sit it right next to my workspace. And then once the result sits for a couple of minutes, I take the reading and I write it down. And obviously, the doctor asks, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Well, we're just going to test hard water, obviously. Failure, false, and being proactive is reactive. We need to address the water condition and the water quality. Have you ever, has anybody ever talked to you about that? Due to the fact this water has failed or going to fail, or your your plumbing fissure has failed, you have a pinhole leak. Um, obviously, we're here for to, to correct this pinhole leak, but there's there's always reasons behind this. Why are these things failing prematurely? Why are we not having filter? You obviously don't have a filter, or you have like um, in Texas, I see that people are having a lot of those salt, those, uh, salt filtration systems, the GE ones, um, they're, just, they're just killed with the house. Oh, I just came with the house, right? Obviously salt, it's like we're talking about salt and metal for 20, 30 years, right? Talking about rust corrosion, it may not be the best. We have more proactive ones. Uh, we have better ones, low maintenance. How, how is it every month gonna pick up that 50 pound bag of salt and put it in there? Like, is it easy? Kind of just pulling out questions and getting them to really express their concerns and show their concerns and express their frustration, but just by asking simple questions. And again, we just really want them to tell us what they want and how they want to do it. And we're just going to guide them through it. Okay. So you're, that's how you run the call. What is your, yeah. your, um, training look like? So you have, you have online training. You have, we have online on site training. And in classroom. And then people would come to what, Texas for that? Or is that in California? Uh, no, we're doing it. That is going to be in California. Hopefully we do it in Texas soon. Um, but it's, it's, it's generally the, the people that, that can't run a service call or not learning to run a service call. So we're starting from the basics. Like, um, I think we're going to make a two-part system of the, the, the green guys and the more elite guys that have been doing it a while. So they get into more service providing. Because I'm seeing like I'm going to these on sites and we're trying to fill, we're trying to teach two different guys, a guy, the green guy that's been plumbing for six months and a guy that's been plumbing for eight years and closes very well. They don't need to learn the same thing. Right. But a lot of the process that we're going through is just right now I'm teaching a lot of the basics. Um, some of these plumbing companies or these HVAC companies that are adding plumbing don't know what to look for. No, are not really teaching the questions that they're asked. They should be asking. Uh, what to look for when they're calling a house, how to be, what, taking pictures, making sure that they're not doing the basics of it. So I'm doing a lot of the basic training for them so far. And then we go to presenting options. So I'm a, I don't know if you guys are aware, I'm pretty sure you guys are, but I, uh, Uncle Joe and the service MVP team. Are you guys aware of him? Oh, of Joe. Yeah, I thought you meant uh, you were joining Uncle Joe. No, sure. uh, so Joe, Joe Crisera. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I use, I'm a product of him, like in the, in the sales training wise of uh, the six options. So, uh, the, what should we do? Um, so he, he really helped me elevate my game to another level. Um, and we're, and we're kind of going through the process of just teaching the basics. And then I, I, on the other guys with the options, we, I do, I like the six options. Uh, I like writing it down on paper 
putting something physical between me and the customer that we can pass over and talk about. Definitely. I so love the, uh, I love writing it down, uh, talking while I'm writing it, not necessarily typing it into an iPad, but writing it on paper as they see me writing it, as I'm saying it definitely never, uh, yeah. never switched over from that myself. Yeah. And I don't think, so I'm not, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm not extremely old, but I understand the fact that when I was working at my dad, everything was handwritten. We didn't have iPads then. Service sign was barely coming out, maybe not a thing, right? So it's something physical, and a lot of the, and a lot of people want to make this selling complicated and overthinking and make it techy, but it's just the basics. It's, it's, the difference of it is, is nothing. Like from 1970, 1985, 1990 to 2000s, like we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just going over the basics of communication and. and and I guess you can call it the art of selling, but it's not even art. It's really just you and a person, you created value, you provided options, and now we're going to sit down and go over these options together at the table. Like we're getting them to say, like they're missing, a lot of these companies are missing the little parts, just taking it to the table, right? How many people are really focused on taking the table and not presenting on the, on the kitchen, like on the front lawn, right? Are you really going to make educated decision? sit on your front lawn or standing up at your front door, like, there's certainly not the place going to happen. Let's get to a, a common area. Let's get to a kitchen. Let's get to a counter space so we can really sit down and go over this and plant our feet and under, and ask questions. I, I'm the brochure. I'm going to, I'm the professional. So please ask me anything. I'm here to help you make this decision. Look at these over. Take a look at them. I have endless amount of time. When I go sit down and present options, there's no time. I can be there for 20 minutes. I can be there for two, three, four hours. That's everybody has their own time and decision making. I'm just there to help at that point. Okay. So when you do, when you do the onsite trainings, are you doing ride alongs as well? Of course. Yeah. So people seem to believe you that is right. So we do a two hour, we do a two hour, uh, morning class, two hour and two hours, depending on the needs. And then we get out in the field from 10 a.m., to 9, 10 a.m. to whenever. I have, no, I have nowhere else to go. Right? So if it's 10 p.m., we're running on call. If it's 8, 8, 8 p.m., we're going. We're making sure that uh, we're providing options, we're providing solutions, we're trying to touch and help as many customers and clients as possible. But we're also trying to reinforce our process that we are teaching. So, and, and just implementing it too. Also, and we have to even make it four days because the fourth day, needs to be just going over with the, the management team of how we're going to recreate this process. I could come in and sell 30, 40, 50, 60, 100,000 in three days, but if they can't reinforce it and they can't mimic it, then it's, it's all for nothing. We're just causing chaos uh, on the install team when I leave. So before we get to that point where you're talking to the management team about implementing processes to make sure that this happens, hopefully long after you leave, um, and, and is performed by hopefully the entire team. So let's start back at you've done your two-hour presentation in the morning for the entire team. Somehow you and the management team have selected who you're going to ride with today. Mm-hmm. You're going to clog sewer line, right, outside clean out. And uh, yes. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that most of the people listening to this one are plumbers, kind of know better. 
but let's pretend we are. <laughs> well, uh, let's take us through what that call looks like. You just pulled up in front of the house. We all, uh, we all should know where you parked, which is directly in front. Um, now take us through your process with that ride along. So it starts obviously, we turn, I, I like to park around the corner right before, get yourself cleaned up, get yourself ready. So when we pull up to the house, we are ready to go. We're not shuffling. We're not finding our booties. We're not finding our shoe covers. We're not putting on our jacket. Like we are out. And once we arrive, we start work, right? So we pop out. It's not just trying to get ourselves together. We find a good parking spot, obviously. Um, we get out and the first 10 minutes is really just, I mean, I want, I go in with no, no iPads, no tools. There's some booties and possibly a flashlight, right? Um, we really want to get to know the customer. We want to ask the, the, some obviously questions, the basic questions of how many times it's happened, how long have you lived here? Um, if it did happen, who took, who took care of it? Why are, why are they here? How, what are we looking to do today? How are we looking to do it differently? And, and again, just 10 to 15 minutes of just getting to know the customer, showing them that we're real people and we're going to price this. And also we're putting some time stamps. Famous Jones are going to be here between 60 to 90 minutes. Everything okay? We, you don't have to rush, go anywhere. I mean, putting that time stamp really on how you're going to be there, how long you're going to be there, and how long a, a, like a service call should take. Uh, um, Obviously, the less time you're there and the faster these texts are running through it, it's, it's not good. I come from somewhere that you only get one or two calls a day. So it's not like you're getting eight, nine, ten calls a day. You really have to, to show your time because we, we did a lot. Of so we want to make sure we, we, get, we maximize every call. Then we start working. And the very beginning is really easy. We just start working. I don't want solutions provided at the beginning and provided for the cabling. You pretty much know what's going to be done. As as Tradesmen and us blue collar guys, like people want to see us work. So as the kitchen sink or the board to the mainline clogs. The mainline clogs, we got our machine, Mr. Jones' case it's gonna be X amount of price. Uh it's gonna be three eighty nine, two eighty nine, whatever you guys charge. Just get a quick initial here. Obviously most people run service site now. Quick initial here, get the approval, and let's start work, right? Now we're building time and value through the call. We're cabling the line. If you have a camera, we're cameraing everything, we're cameraing it. We're testing water, we're getting the water to drop, and then we're running our camera, take a look at it. This line, mainline sewer clogs don't clog for no reason. Either they're put too much toilet paper, there's a tree root, there's an offset, there's something like that that causes this issue. So we're doing this process, we're running our camera, we're taking a look, we're involving our customers. Mr. And Mrs. Jones, let's take a look at this. Uh, we have a failure in the sewer system. Uh, there's a joint failed, there's roots penetrating the pipe. And, and as long as it's okay with the other pricing solutions for long-term fixes for this, is that okay? Give me 15 to 10, 10, 15 minutes. We'll provide some solutions and I'm going to come into your house and we're going to sit down and talk about this. So again, we're setting expectations on that point as well. And we're going to come in, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this. And they're already committing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go take a look at this. Um, and obviously we're answering questions every time. And then when we sit down again, it's an endless amount of time, um, 30, 45 minutes is generally the key, but you can't go in there thinking it's going to only take two minutes and you can't fold after the first question. Again, everybody's thought process is different. So it could be two, three, four hours. I've, I've been to houses for these larger projects that were there for four hours, five hours, just going over because they ask this question, they ask this question, the husband, the wife have different thought processes. So the wife might be just made a decision in five minutes, but the husband has takes an hour to make a decision, just making sure everybody's clear on the scope of work and what needs to be completed at that point. Hope that helps. Okay, Dylan. I like where we're at so far. So from here, I assume 
you move to close? Absolutely. Then we go down to the kitchen table and then, or wherever the common area that we sit down at, and then we provide our solutions. Obviously, during that time, we've already been out 10, 20 minutes. We already set expectations. Um, we get minor commitments of just, Mr. Jones, um, I'm going to give you solutions, and every solution that we're going to provide you is going to be able to solve your problem today, help you today, right? And it's just, yes. And again, we're just getting commitments throughout the way. And when we sit down, we really, it's very simple. We just want them to pick solutions. Mr. And Mr. Jones, I've created some solutions for the issue that we have at hand. Um, you have a failure in your, your system, your, your main line sewer, your kitchen line, whatever. Um, every solution is going to be one option one is a little bit more premium, all the way down to the economy or the band-aid option, which is the mineral option we recommend today. Go ahead and look over the sheet. I'm here to answer any questions. And, and let's go from there, right? And okay. then you just start talking. You just kind of go over the, the questionnaires. And obviously, again, my big thing is stop talking at that point, right? Okay, so you let them discuss the, uh, what, three options you present? I, 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 I Again, I listen to your options. I do six. I know. Oh, six options. That's right. You said that. Yeah. I do uh, two premium, two mid-range, two economy options. Okay. And do you find that, um, I re- Nate and I recently read a, read a book called the paradox of choice. And this book was, uh, Barry Schwartz, I believe is the author. And he talked about having so many choices is like stressing us out and choosing us or uh, causing us not to choose at all. But I assume you're, you're kind of holding their hand and walking him toward the decision that you think is right for them. Um, and just by showing them that it is right for them, getting them toward that premium most of the time, or how's that working for you? Um, I, and I believe most people funnel to the middle, right? Um, and, and there may be three options, but warranties are different. Um, a little bit of scope of work is different. So you could come up with three and then kind of alter them a little bit to make six, right? So if you got a 10-year warranty to a six-year warranty, um, we're, we're doing the whole house jetting. We've got to just take the whole house jetting. Out like um, again, I've been on, I've been on some planes, so I, I've listened to a ton of your your podcast the past couple of days, and I was laughing. I was like, "Oh, that's going to be interesting," because I did listen to the one where uh, the options, the buying paradox, and the confusing, um, all valid points. It's just I feel that uh, the six has been working for me um, for for quite a while, so I, I like six. Yeah, I like I, more than four. I actually talk a lot about the three options because that is how we train. But uh, several people who work here did ride-alongs with me before I came out of a truck and know that uh, I tended to promote one option (laughs) out of my truck. Actually, (laughs) I didn't present three options most of the time. I I just coupled everything together and said, here's everything we talked about. Would you like to have this done today? Or, you know, would you like me to get started? Um I, I rarely wrote up three actual options. I usually just wrote up everything we talked about and here's how we can get it done today. So that was effective for me. I know, I know technicians who kill it with three options. Uh, we have a tech here who presents five options. Um, but what do you, what do you think about the six options for yourself personally um, is, is so effective for you? I think because we're going to out of the box, right? So when we're talking about being a premium solution provider, we had kind of the, the story of the iPhone, right? It, yep. It's making sure we we don't 
pin ourselves down to one of the solutions. Let's say it's a big line sewer clog, and I don't know if like I uh, we're looking at there's root intrusions in the front yard from the from the house to the curb, and then there's the additional pipe from the curb to the street. I don't know if you guys are responsible in your area, and then there's the piping underneath the house, right? There's either a crawl space or a basement, um, or raised foundation. I know Texas calls it pier and beam houses. Um, different kind of terminology, but there's there's piping underneath the house, right? So option one is, is a premium solution. Like, what if we just remove it all, Mr. Jones? Again, it may be above and beyond, and most people are not taking it, but again, this is not our house. We're not the, it's not our house, and it's not our buyer, and it's not our money at that point. So option one and two are generally pretty premium. Option three and four of the mid-range are generally still a little bit more premium, but kind of getting down to the root. Uh, so let's say we just replace the uh, yard line with either um, a pipe bursting, a line, uh, liner, uh, or hand excavation. And then the bottom are our two spot repairs and some jetting, right? So there's, there's always more than one way to fix everything, especially in plumbing. I think when we get down to most plumbers offer what's easiest for them, right? And oh, yeah. again, we're, try, we're trying to take that away and you let me with, know what needs to be fixed, right? Or the aspect of it is when you do X amount of project and X amount of work, let's say they pick a lower tier option. Um, but you know the cast iron, you don't know what the cast iron looks when it crumbles, when you dig it up and it crumbles towards the house. So what do we have to do? We have to go back at the table again or re- and, and tell them, oh, it's going to be more money, right? I didn't know. Well, I do it in a sense where we have everything built out just in case, and we just upgrade options at that point. It's not another sticker shock. It's not really asking them a whole bunch more and having to tell them, oh, I messed up. Well, Mr. Jones, this is failing. This cast iron is crumbling when I'm trying to attach onto it outside the foundation. I already have the pricing pre-written for you. The pricing doesn't change. It'd be ideal for us to just upgrade options at this point. Um, like, do you think it's best for you? It's long-term, we warranty that, oh, we could kind of band-aid it, kind of jimmer and connect onto it. And, and whenever it happens, you just let us know. Again, it's up to you, Mr. Jones. What do you think is best for your house? I, def- right. I definitely like what you said about uh, plumbers picking the option that's easiest for them. And, and I do mean me in this part. <laughs> As, you know, we're in uh, southeast Pennsylvania here in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it's, I don't know, Nate, what is it, 25 degrees outside or something? It's a little warmer today, but tomorrow they expect a high of 20 with wind, winds in like the 40 miles an hour. So, yeah, there's a, I don't, <laughs> there's a storm sitting off the east coast over here that's just, that's wrecking us. And I know that is not a high for anybody. <laughs> they, I know that as a, as a tech working out in this stuff, that if there were, if there was an option of doing some work inside a mobile home and an option of doing some work under a mobile home, I know which way I'm pushing that client when it's 20 degrees and 40 mile an hour winds for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. I I've been reluctant to ever have to deal with that. Um, I, I, the company zoom drains, I talked to one of the technicians this morning about a project that, uh, we started and here's supposed to start this week and finish this week. And he's like, uh, I'm having started because the ground is frozen. And so, and, and obviously in a storm is coming. So we're going to start on Monday. And I was like, oh, like I've never had to, like, growing up in Southern California, I've never had to deal with it. So I guess we're a little bit spoiled on the West Coast with the weather, 100%. Yeah, and then just moving to Dallas. Although, 
I guess if you were there, what was that, three years ago, you would have had a pretty big snowstorm to deal with. Oh, that was last year. Last year, the freeze. Everybody talked about it. Oh, was it last year? Um, it was last year, yeah. So it was in March of last year where the freeze happened, and we just this area is just not ready for it. The pipes or depths are really shallow. How, like, PVC and CPVC are popping in ceilings, and they had HVAC companies running plumbing leads. People could did have didn't stop working for like three, four weeks straight. It was it was a nightmare. I know they had a hard time. Yeah, we had one of our guests on that lives in Texas call it the the snowpocalypse. Yeah, yeah, they had the they definitely had to do it. Hopefully it doesn't happen this year. It doesn't seem like it's gonna get that cold this year, but uh had rolling blackouts. I came a couple I came six, seven months after, so still a little cleanup, but everybody was just traumatized from it that they were still talking about it. So your, your training, um, where can people find your training? How, how does someone get a hold of you in terms of either where can someone find you just to give it a test, maybe like some YouTube videos or something where someone can, where can someone get a hold of you if they want to bring you out, if they want to uh, get on the online training or maybe go see you? Um, so we're, we're building the, it's fairly new. So the media is coming up, like the videos and stuff are coming up soon. Um, they could find me. Obviously, you guys had Jason Walker. I'm working with pairing with him and the team. So um, Jason Walker, um, HVAC Master of the Hustle. They can email me at dylan.moya at gmail.com or even call me. Text me. Call me. Uh, my number is 949-436-1102. Um, ask questions. I'm here to help, right? I feel like, yeah, we're trying to make a real big movement on this plumbing thing um, that I feel that is just super underserved. Yeah, I, I uh, as a plumber, I appreciate it big time because, I mean, this this morning, as you know, we had we had your episode uh, booked for much earlier in the day. We had to push it back a bit because we had a school, um, a trade school, sign on to come and tour our shop, and I I had I don't know six groups, seven groups of three uh, young men who are in the trade school, they would come in three at a time and sit with me for 20 minutes and talk about what we do here. And, and I just know at this point, I'm just ready to have a conversation to explain to them why being a professional salesperson is not a bad thing. <laughs> just, that's where we start. Absolutely. There's other people who are going to talk about the benefits of, you know, the trades and they're already in, 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 you know, an HVAC plumbing electrical school. So they already know, hopefully the benefits of the trades or like me, they didn't have anything else. So they ended up in the trades. But what we start talking about is how getting better at communicating in general is a good thing. And I'm glad there is a, you know, specific plumbing training person out there starting to make waves. I'm a big fan of what you do and I'm very happy to have you on the show. Oh, I appreciate it. You guys are, I've, I've been listening to it, and you guys are putting out great content. Obviously, you guys having the plumbers, the electricians, you have HVAC, you have Al Levy, you guys have Tim Kenny and Tom Hopkins. Man, I've, I've been, I've been on it the last couple of days, and you guys are doing great. And just, yeah, just exposure. Uh, a lot of these are plumbing specific or HVAC specific, and you guys are really opening the door for a huge, huge anything in plumbing because they just have to evolve, right? I, it's either Amazon or Toys R Us. Who do you want to be? Um, the involvement in, in technology and everything is, is, is amazing. I appreciate the kind words, buddy. It was good having you on today. Uh, great to talk to you and 
as you're getting this thing up and ro- or, uh, up and rolling with J-Dub, uh, we'd love to have, well, shoot, we'd love to have both of you guys on uh, maybe in a couple months once you get things put together fully and we'll talk about the stuff that's online. Oh, absolutely. Again, I, I thank you guys. I appreciate everything you do with the industry. Um, it's an honor to be on your guys' show. Um, I'm sure we'll talk soon. I, I Maybe we'll come visit whenever I'm in – Hopefully on a warmer time when I come to visit that area. <laughs> we have uh, yeah. opening right now. You're welcome to head over tomorrow. I'll, I'll meet you at the shop. Uh, wear a coat. Oh, maybe some gloves. I have never been that cold in my life. Then <laughs> um, last, like I was in Idaho last week. And it was so this week. And it was pretty cold. Um, but last week in, in New Jersey, like the temperatures are the same. The therm, like it says 26, 26 or 30, 30. But man, that thirty in New Jersey in the Northeast is bone chilling. Yeah, it's different. Plus, there's a lot of wind. Yeah. It doesn't help. Absolutely. But man, I I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and I, I'm excited for everything that you guys do for the industry. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Dylan. It was great talking to you, and we will talk to you soon. Great. Have a great day. You too. What a great conversation with Dylan Moya. Um, I hope you. Certainly the plumbers in the industry got as much out of that as I did. Uh, great to talk to a, a like mind, like-minded person about plumbing and the, the kind of the way it should be done, um, which is absolutely the same in, in every home services industry. Taking care of the client, presenting options, give, giving them what they deserve in the home in terms of both our appearance and performance. Um, again, feel free to reach out to Dylan, talk about his training. Reach out to us here at wastenoday.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Brian Burton or Nate Minnick. Um, give us a, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the reviews and let us know if there's something you haven't heard that you would like to hear. And as always, we challenge you to wake up every morning and waste no day. <laughs>